Nation Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the Combination Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. You are listening to The Curator Podcast, Season 2, Episode 27. The return of Connor Anderson from Dialects. I'm doing well, how are you? I'm alright, aye. We're in your gaff. In my house. With a nice little vape haze. Yes. I've got my own smoke machine. Yeah. <laughs> it's your own lungs. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, well, I'm here. Uh, it's, it's a really nice place. It's a very nice, nice idea of the city. Thank you. Um, Only forced into it for last minute reasons. Last minute reasons? Yeah, my old, uh, the person I used to live with dropped on me very last minute that they were... Moving. Well, it wasn't really last minute as such, in all fairness. It was more just the time that they chose to tell me was like when no one had any flats available. So I was like, it's when all the students had already taken all the flats. Mm. So I was like struggling to find a place. And then I uh, messaged the landlord for, of this flat for another flat that she owns. She says, I've not got it anymore, but I'm, I've got this new place and it's getting done up. There's a few things that I need done before someone can move in. Do you want to come check it out? Took it on the day. I was like, this is... Right, it's good. Nice one. That's it. Here we are. And here we are to talk about. I guess we're going to talk about Dialect's album, which is finally come out. That's it. It's done. Were you not? See, the last time we spoke, were you not just about to record it? No, but we were. We were like, it was always being planned because we'd written quite a, a lot of it mm-hmm. when I spoke to you. Um, because the thing we'd done after we'd spoke about the EP mm-hmm. was we went and done a single. Yeah, yeah. Done, and that was technically the first song we released off the album mm-hmm. albeit it's not a ghost it's gravity is on the album um, for anyone that hasn't heard it yet I can plug it a wee bit here that song's been rewritten we, mm-hmm. we changed it up it's got a different intro the middle parts are different the drum parts are different um, some of the choices we made with some of the effects were made different we just we didn't want to just release the same song but just produced better mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been fair to the other track that we'd done Um so yeah, we did that, um, but yeah, we, we recorded it in March last year, that was when we done it. That's a while ago. Yeah, uh, a long time ago, done it, we, but it all tied in well, because I think what we were doing was we were starting the process of the Creative Scotland application mm-hmm. when we spoke, and that was finished in time for about, I want to say October, submitted in October, mm-hmm. and we found out literally eight weeks to the day after that we'd got the money, mm-hmm. and then... Liam, who then joined us to play drums, had to basically learn the, the the stuff we'd written for the album already and then finish off writing three songs with us mm-hmm. in time for recording in March. Nice. It was mental. But he did a great job. I mean, sadly, he's no longer with us because mm-hmm. he's earning hundreds of money as an accountant and living the life. But so he's still alive and you see no He's still alive, still yeah. Alive. He's no longer he's with us. It's so depressing. Yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> Our drummer died. <laughs> That's it's not what happened. Have to have a garden and now he's a, yeah, he just, he was very honest about it, just couldn't commit the time. Um, 
Yeah. Sometimes life just takes over, man. That's it, and he's got a good job. Yeah. Um, as you said, black hole of cash. It's the mm. running theme for our discussions yeah. of music. <laughs> and before we started recording, we were talking about that. Like sometimes, just life becomes a bigger thing than, mm. than a band. Do you know what I mean? And it's a, it's a shitty thing. Yeah. But it's also good for the better, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's great for them. Yeah. For others that are maybe wanting to still be involved, it's a bit of a shame, but, you know, you move on, you find yeah. other people, like-minded folk, and you do something else, and, yeah, that's it. I guess that's kind of... It's interesting, because you see a lot of cool, like, projects dissolve because of that, as opposed to, like, a big breakup, mm-hmm. you know, from, like, the story I've heard, like, of... I don't know, like, Gallops, maybe the first time they... Sp- split up I heard was pretty insane there was a crazy story around it all and it was quite gutting because they, they were an awesome band and then you've got uh, maybe someone like maybe she will who just kind of felt as if they'd run their course mm-hmm. and done what they needed to do and it was a really nice way to end yeah. Um, so yeah it's a shame but life does take over so sometimes I was, was kind of wondering why Creative Scotland why not for that because they've got lots of money. <laughs> um, no, because they... Let me ask that again. So I was just wondering, why Creative Scotland? Um, they, we, they had basically... We'd heard about it from a friend. The guy that produced our EP, Nick, had told us a little bit about it. And we'd spoke about where we wanted to do the album when we first spoke to him about it, and he said that he wanted to do it in Chem 19 which is the studio that Mogwai recorded in, Twilight Side have recorded in it. It's an amazing place. Um, but it costs a lot of money mm-hmm. to go into a studio like that. You know, that these guys are coming in with big bucks from record labels or they're already established projects that are doing stuff. So in order to do that, we went through the Creative Scotland application, um, spent months writing it, like the application. I don't think it's something to be taken lightly because you're asking someone to invest in you artist, artistically, you know, which I think is a, a bold ask. You're trying to quantify your art form. I think that's really weird. Um, you're trying to... Because you, on, on the one hand, you're going... They probably listen to thousands of musicians that submit stuff and they go, yep, this is great, but they have to think about what it brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Like a Creative Scotland application isn't just about you going to someone and saying, please, can I have lots of money to go and record an album? You've got to justify it from the realms of what are you giving back to the community? Well, we can say there's instrumental music's been on the rise in the UK. Scotland's got a bit of a presence in it. We mentioned our contemporaries in there, you know, Vasa for one, we mentioned them, mm-hmm. or other, you know, progressive rock bands like Halo Tora and stuff. You know, Scotland's had a bit of a kind of We've had three or four bands basically that have kind of went on the rise, played some cool festivals, done some cool tours. So maybe we can inspire more to do the same thing if we get this money to do the album and you've got to kind you've got to justify it from that angle. And then you've got to submit like your press materials and stuff as well. So we sent in stuff from the EP, the um the independent stream that we had that was arranged by Renfrey Deadman, awesome, awesome guy, and he he very um very graciously allowed us to stream the album on The Independent, which was great of him. He's a great guy, he's lovely. I'll forever talk about how amazing he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, yeah, well, that's, I'm kind of rambling on a wee bit here, but that's kind of what you need to do, and that's why. Um, ultimately, it was to get the money we needed to go and do what we wanted, but also to kind of get it on a bigger platform and do it right. I didn't want to do it, and I, I don't know, I just didn't want to do it. And another, in, a, in the studio we'd done before, we'd done it in, um, 
What's the one that's... I can't even remember the name of the studio now. 45 Aside. Mm-hmm. That was when we'd recorded before. And it did sound cool. The stuff sounded great. I think the EP sounds really cool and it's really real, well produced. But the album's a million times better. Now that you've heard that you know, and heard, heard the final masters, it's just like infinitely better. Yeah. Plus we wanted a different mastering engineer. Mm-hmm. It's mastered by um, Ed Woods that's done stuff for like Ruben, Jamie Lenman, Led Zepp, The Who. He's quite a big name in mastering. And he's really nice, really good to work with. I mean, would you recommend that as a process to every band? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, God, I... Yeah. Well, like, if, if... Assuming you can get it right, I'm not... There's going to be bands out there that maybe are not the right thing for Creative Scotland. Creative Scotland has to look at it from the point of view of where are you within the scene? What can you give back? Are you going to inspire other bands to try and do that? Are you going to be the guy that maybe tells folk to do more? Maybe you're... Like, we help out folk with contacts, we've helped folk out with other applications, we've given ins for folk into festivals or whatever. It's all about giving back, you know, and sharing the the kind of the cultural identity of Scotland. What does Scotland bring to the table musically? What have they got? And if you're doing that and if you're contributing to that, then yeah, do it, absolutely. Plus it means you can get, you can turn your creative vision into something far greater because you'll get access to amazing amps and pedals and engineers and mastering engineers that huge bands get to use. So absolutely do it. And, and you said that you use KM19, which is, is a world-renowned studio. Well, oh God, yes. Yeah, I mean, did, were you, was that weird? I mean, it must have been weird. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to stop you by saying, was that weird? Because it clearly would have been weird just to walk in the studio and go, fuck. Aye, what, what, I think we are getting that, and I did have it, because when we spoke last time, we spoke about the... The first album that I ever heard was Young Team. And that was done in the old Chem 19, but it was done with the same engineers and equipment and stuff. So um, when I went in, when you went to Chem 19, it's a big, long corridor. You've got, like, the kitchen right directly on the right, and then you've got Studio One directly on the left, which was where we did all the guitars. And then you go down a wee bit, and then there's the bigger live room, mm-hmm. which is the kind of main one. We did all the drums in there. But just right next to the entrance to the kitchen is like a kind of wee corner bit and within there they've got like a couple of records on the wall, like the kind of, the, I want to say the platinum ones, but it's more just like framed vinyls basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's there's a Twilight Sad one and the one that got me was, um, there's a Young Team one. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that and being like, mm-hmm. like recording here, do you know what I mean? Of all the places, the history that to, to lead up to this moment, the, the equipment that I'm going to be using, the stuff that they used years ago and that kind of got me a wee bit that kind of like the choice of you isn't it for me yeah but for uh, Nick the producer he really wanted to do Chem 19 he said it was the place to do it there was a few studios we'd um, spoken about but that was the one that was like everyone was just like yeah do it there it makes sense um, and it turned out to be the right choice really yeah. happy with how it turned out sounds great in my opinion do you think I influenced you influenced the music when you were in there it's a better environment to record in. Like, uh, because, well, 45 Aside's quite claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. It's a great studio, mm-hmm. really a really great place, and the guys that run it are lovely. Um, but I find it, it's too small. It's too, it's too small and it's too hot. I can't deal with that. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're trying to focus on playing, like, quite complex music, and you've got to nail your parts, and you've got a set time frame. Try to do that with those added conditions. It's just not cool. It's not, con- it's not conducive to something that you should be doing. Whereas... You know, Chem 19's a nice big open space. It feels like a house. It feels like you're in a home. Mm-hmm. You know, the kitchen's like a really homely kitchen. It's not like just there for function. You know, it's got a really nice, like the table mat is like something that you would see like in like a French cafe <laughs> or something like that, you know. 
Um, I see table mat, table cloth, <laughs> and then I've got like a really old, like American diner style fridge. It's like everything feels quite homely. Um, and then the actual rooms themselves are all like nice carpeted rooms, air conditioning, stuff like that. The sofas aren't old sofas that have came from a studio and been battered the hell out of. You know, it's just it's just a really nice place. It's all really well kept, really nice and clean and yeah. It's it feels super relaxing. So I think that helped because as we discussed before we came on, I hate recording. Mm-hmm. Um I don't enjoy the process. I like getting it at the end. Um, and I enjoy the kind of hearing the masters. I don't enjoy anything leading up to that. I find Why? it too difficult. Because you're you it's a, there's a lot of money writing on it. Like there was a lot of money writing yeah, on the that's album. That's the scary thing about any recording. So much money. And you've got that time frame, and you want to hit that time frame so you don't spend any more. Yeah. But equally, you've got this thing going well. But I need to do it right. Like so, even if that's I do okay. need to spend more money, then then maybe I'll I'll try and make that happen. But you don't want to. Like you ideally don't want to. Um, we went over our budget a little, but for different reasons. Um, and it. Yeah, it's it's just stressful. You want to nail it. And then on top of all that, could, maybe you play one gig and you're like, that's the best I've ever played that riff. That If it's something, that, if it's quite a technical part that's reliant on you, then if that's the best time you've ever played it and then you go, oh, I need to replicate that. I need to do it the way I did it there in that video. I think Steve's got one part in the album that on the Audio Tree session we've done, he prefers the way he played it on Audio Tree. Mm-hmm as opposed to on the album. Still sounds great in the album, in my opinion, and I'm not going to name the bit, but he constantly has highlighted that and went, I wish I'd just got it like that. And I can I can understand that now because I did it as well. I've got wee bits and bobs from watching videos of his live or the audio tree sesh and then going into the album that I've noticed and I've went, ah, I could have done that better. Mm-hmm. But you need to live with it because that's the product and you get to the stage where you go, this is it, it's finished. And there has to be a time you go that's it done you can't just keep doing it over and over and over because it'll never come out well I mean that, that makes me think of something else which has occurred to me there is like you took a lot of time between writing the stuff and you had to basically kind of rewrite it again because you got a new drummer and then, yeah. then recording it um, it made me think of like how like in False Hopes like there's a few guitar parts that uh, the guitarist had written Klusk that he now plays totally differently live and we just because of the, the nature of what we were doing mm. at the time like we went in there and just did it as and it was. And do you wonder if you should record that? Uh, no, the, the song, is, the song, I still love yeah. the song in question, I'm not going to name the song, because we do, we've got quite a few songs like it, but it's just like the bits have changed almost completely for, mm. for, for him, and it's, it's not having that time to breathe. Mm. And, I, and I think it's interesting that you mentioned like how having it sound a certain way, or play a certain way in a studio, and how the environment like affects you, because if you have to go in there and nothing's thought out properly, or isn't quite complete, I then, get you. Then you don't really. Like, That's you, a terrifying in, thought. And being comfortable with with it, and there's, don't get me wrong, it's not like we were going in and we're uncomfortable with it, but but what it if makes you, you realise that things maybe weren't as yeah. far along as we kind of thought they were, even though they felt right at the time. Yeah, and Did you're you playing have that it. experience at all when you were recording. Have any of the songs changed? Um, right, so yeah, but when we rewrote them with Liam, that kind of got eradicated mm-hmm. because I play the parts now as I played them when I recorded them. Mm-hmm. And that's not because it's been finalised and that's it set in stone. They were quite different. Mountainous in particular has had like four or five different iterations of it since we first wrote it. It used to be slower, then it was faster, then there was different tapping parts. Mm-hmm. Then the, the drum part moved from being, you know, a kind of polyrhythmic type thing to a kind of paradiddle. And then there's all these wee different things that we just changed, wee nuances that we 
messed about with until we got the final version. Um, yes, I, th- I I would be worried about that going into a second album if we do it, um, because... It's not something you can ever account for, though. Cause you, Aye, because you, you will know. Yeah, you, you will know until you write that other thing or change it and you go, should have done that at the time, should have recorded it like that. That's interesting. I guess I'll report back on that <laughs> later. I'll feed back if that happens. Because one of the reasons I ask you that question is because it's been a while since I think you recorded it until the album came out as well. Mm. And it made me wonder, like... Had we changed it in the time? It? Have things changed? Because you've now got an on your drummer. Go on, new drummer now, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but Sai's si's been great. Absolute breath of fresh air. Um, yeah, I mean, he's changed things to suit his style. He, for the most part, he plays it like it is in the album. You it's know. a frame of reference as well, because he's yeah. hearing that and he's you know, yeah. he knows what he's doing. He changes some wee things here and there to suit his style of playing and we're really happy with it. Um, the only thing that's been tricky is when we've shot the music videos. Mm-hmm. He's had to learn them <laughs> part for part, beat for beat, and that's quite difficult when it's quite complex stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's went from that back to playing the way he wrote it and we encourage that we would say learn it how it is in the record for shooting these videos but if you want to go back to playing it the way that you structured it mm-hmm. after that for live please do because it's your thing and it, it gives you more of an investment into it and I think that's been quite nice because we did the illusory and when you die videos and they played them beat for beat but I really like the way he plays it live so that brings a bit of something else to the to the tracks I suppose so it's cool so people that see us live now, it won't be exactly how it is in the record, drums-wise, but it's, you know, 90% there. It's interesting how different people bring different vibes on it. Very much so. He's like a mixture of the two drummers we've had previous. Liam's, like, he was, like, super precise and and very, like, intricate with his ideas and, like, every... He was, like, determined that every fill in the album had to be different, every groove had to be different and unique. And that's something that I think is, like, a huge accomplishment in his part. Whereas Johnny was a bit more, you'd maybe see some common themes with Johnny, but it was still different and technical enough and, and, and it, it just a bit more kind of, more thematical, if you like that way. In size, like a kind of in the middle, a lot of his stuff can be quite different and intricate, but equally he's got some wee kind of traits that you can point out are his things, you know, his types of fills, the kind of things he goes for. So I think that's quite interesting. A signature sort of thing. Aye, yeah. that's the way, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, like I'm now like live like for the stuff we do, that big long decay and reverb, that's a kind of signature thing for me now guitar-wise. I'll never not use that sound because I just think it's, I love lush reverbs, I'm a bit of a sucker for that and a lot of our songs have it and you can be pretty sure that if you hear that in the album and it's got an overwhelming mix vol- like in terms of volume, it's probably my guitar part. So yeah. Where did the Lush Reverb thing come from? Because I dig that. That's the thing, kind of thing I love. There's just no place for it in the music that I play. Chill with. <laughs> you know I mean? Chill with. Really? Yeah. So we did a... We did a... Like a... What's the, what would you call it? Like an influences type piece for um, one of the, the press things we did for the album. And I put up where mine's come from that comes from like Chill Wave and Vaporwave music. Because really I listen to a lot. I said, like, I don't think I've ever heard any of that. Yeah, I've people, heard of it, but never, I don't. I couldn't even name an artist. Yeah, quite like um, Mister Lies. He'd be a good place to start, and he also makes a lot of sense to what I do. It's almost like layering all your verbs in such a way that they become a synth. Mm-hmm. So it's like a synth yeah, yeah. that runs underneath yeah. it all. That's kind of what I do. That didn't come from listening to like post rock bands that go for like endless bits of reverb. I still enjoy stuff like that, but. A lot of it stems from listening to chill wave music and listening to how they, they, 
electronic artists so mess about with their, their synths and their verbs and pads and a lot of it stems from that did you make a choice to do that then or is it subconscious to begin with for Connor, this yeah Connor is vaping yes <laughs> <clears throat> I finally gave up smoking I've not filled up with liquid though so that was a bad idea <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yes, it is conscious. Because, yeah. I, yeah, I wanted to do something like that. I wanted to translate what they were doing with maybe Ableton or a synth. I don't think about it like that at all, man. I'm not making sure. Like, that's cool, though. Like, you, do, you, you don't have to. Like, that's, that's the beauty of I'm it. I'm always intrigued when people do, though, because it's, when it comes to other things that I do, yeah. I definitely, definitely think about it that way. You can choose to. You yeah. can choose to just write a really cool riff and a really catchy song. That's great. Maybe there's wee things here and there that you go, oh... I want to try something like that and maybe that's a wee bit different. Like, um, When You Die, the the track we've got, I think it's the... F- oh, I'm going to, this is going to be terrible if I get this wrong. Fourth track on the album. And that song is effectively our kind of pop song, mm-hmm. if you like. It's like a power ballad for post-rock. Mm-hmm. It's all built off three chords. Yeah. And I kept saying for ages, I'd love to do a three-chord song. And it was like a big thing in my head and because because it's that joke. Do you know what I mean? It's that like you you've probably got it as well. Like you always play three chords. <laughs> no, but it, some like and you know that way people joke about like that kind of chip in their shoulder about like kind of cheddar pop music where they're like, oh, it's just three chords. It's a three chord song. It's got a verse, a chorus, and whatever. I was like, oh, it'd be so cool if we could just do a three chord song and try and make it as like expansive as we can. So we did. We used three chords and they repeat throughout the whole song and they, it stays in the same key and it evolves and has all these different layers and aspects to it and then it ends it's, this is fascinating to me because our approaches to how we make music because we're in different kinds of bands are like totally fucking different like yeah. completely different yeah and obviously that I mean that's self-evident when I think about it it's like well obviously it would be because we don't play the yeah. same kind of music definitely not <laughs> the kind of thought process though is just and just maybe for the for type me. of band that you're in mm-hmm. You can still do stuff like that. You can still listen to something and go, I don't know, Ali's influence on the last track is really interesting, so there's a, a kind of drum and bassy bit in Mountainous, and Ali's bass line's like a kind of, like a sub-synth type thing yeah, yeah, going mm-hmm. on, right? Mm-hmm. And people were like, what inspired that? What band or musician inspired that? And he went, it wasn't a band or a musician. And we didn't know this until a wee bit later. It was Ridge Racer. <laughs> it was the theme tune from Ridge Racer the game and he was like if I could do that as a bass line and they were like right and then he, he got the effect and he was like look sounds like that instrument in Ridge Racer and we were like yeah and then he played the part and we were like oh cool yeah we totally get it that sounds amazing mad. so you get all these wee bits and bobs that you can just add in you know for me I listened to chill with music and went well maybe I could tweak that into something in here he listened to a computer game mm-hmm. soundtrack maybe you see a movie and you come up with this kind of th- lyric idea you know from the theme of it maybe you tap into that because I know you do a lot of writing and stuff and that's a big creative outlet for you maybe that's where you pull from I do give it that amount of thought you know that's the kind of way I totally approach it and this as well as podcasts like I approach it and I totally that kind of way just not musically yeah but that's that's that's, you know everyone's got their own where they pull inspirations from so my music is like a sledgehammer yes I've seen you guys live it's definite and people say we're loud in fact, like people always say that dialects are too loud, but post rock have to be loud though. I think so. Wall of noise and all that banter, yeah. and then but I walked away from one of your gigs with ringing eardrums, <laughs> and it's one of the few bands that's actually done that. I mean, I'm not here talking about my band. I'm here talking about your band. I know, but you're that's cool. I'm still, I still don't mind talking about it. It's um, cool. You've, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you think uh, that having that Mogwai influence and all that was like? Did you think that fed into the record when you were recording it? 
No. No. No, not when we were recording it. That's fair. Um, tapped in a little when I was obviously writing. Yeah. Like I've spoken about, like, we've, we've spoken about this before, like the, the blueprints for starting the band. Mogwai certainly yeah, had a yeah. hand in that. Mm-hmm. But I feel with the album, we've reached that stage now where we found how we were meant to sound. With the EP, there's like a bunch of influences in there and someone... There's a really cool, like, I, I like really honest reviews and there was one that did say, really like the EP, but it feels like it's not the finished article yet, the full length will be much better. And the guy was like, and, and Renfrey from The Independent said this to us as well when he streamed it, he always stands by the fact he didn't stream it because he thought the EP was incredible. Mm-hmm. He streamed it because he said, I see what it could be, what you mm-hmm. could do. And I thought that was really an interesting take. So then when I came to him with it, with the album, it was it was dead nerve wracking because I was like, "What's he going to think of this? If he thinks this is shit, then we've not measured up to what we should have done." But thankfully, he listened to it and he said it was like a proud uncle moment and streamed it. It goes back to what we're saying: it's like you don't see that happening, you don't see that process happening internally no. as you're doing it. Like, because whenever you create a thing, it's like, "Oh, that thing is like that. That is part of me. Like that's why I want to yeah. say it." And then it's not until you do an album and then come back. Yeah. Like what you guys have done and uh, I'm sure after you've now you've done that and you go back and listen to them and go, I go well, maybe they were right, like it wasn't quite yeah. there. I still love it, still great thought it was yeah. great, but like it just wasn't quite what I wanted. Yeah, I'm do, still you know? I'm we're all still massively proud of that EP. It's, I, I thought it was a good first record, but um the album is just on a whole different level, a whole different platform. It's a lot better in my opinion. Um so yeah, that's what it is. It's good though. Yeah. It's good what you learn on that. Aye, I guess, yeah, aye. We things you learn along the way. It's like a crash course in becoming more patient and accepting of things, if you like, for people that are really impatient. Yeah. So it's great, you know. I think you're forced into understanding that certain things are out with your control and should be out with your control yeah. because they make you learn from them and adapt for the next time you do it. So, yeah. So what's the plans for the record now? After now it's out and stuff, I'll put some tunes in the cards. Yeah, hopefully tour it. Um... We're changing some things in terms of like how we go about touring and what we're doing and we're changing up a few things with that. I think um twenty twenty seventeen we've done a lot less than we would have liked. Um but we're now we're we're kinda taking more control of things that we previously didn't have and we feel a lot more comfortable with that. Why? Because the, the, we we were on I we've done some cool tours. Yeah, no, it's cool though, it's like it's fine. We've done. Hey dear, should I think how would this like we've we've done some cool tours and stuff and I think we've. So we're still going to pitch for bigger tours, but I think there's some things that maybe the band wasn't quite ready for, or or wanted at this time. Um, wasn't a good fit, maybe. Aye, like we we were we got a lot of good stuff really early on. So when it came to doing less stuff, when your when your band inevitably has a bit of a quiet spell. It was like such a like culture shock because I'm used to like us talking about loads of tours and being submitted for loads of things to we toured twice this year and both were short runs. It's the shortest. We've played the least amount of shows this year out of any other year, which is such a weird thing. And a lot of that came from certain things being out with our control that we're bringing back in and, and having more kind of ownership of, which is a really nice feeling. And it's not because what we were doing was wrong or what anyone else was doing wrong. We just want more of a focus on what we do. So I think you'll see the tours and stuff that we go for now and the festivals that we go for are going to be because we really want to do them and 
we think this is the right way to go, not just because it's been thrown at us, which is the, I, I kind of prefer, to be honest. It's, it feels more comfortable. It's a little, it's, it comes back to, as we've as we said a few times in this conversation, it seems to be the theme. It's how you learn. Yeah. It's how you pick up the... the, the we need to try things before you know if they're going to be right or wrong for you. you know I mean? Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I fact, you need to. Not a bad thing. No, not at all. Because it, it makes you stronger and better. Yeah. Like, we kind of moved away from... The, we we started off from a kind of DIY prog rock scene, this kind of math rock, post rock thing, this kind of circle of art tangent bands that's quite cool. We came from that, started doing some bigger tours, and now we're kind of wanting to gravitate back to the more DIY stuff because A, a it's more fun and and B we can do more of it. We can do you can you know the bigger stuff is um I guess we thought when we got when we you, when you do the booking agent thing, you think that like your life's going to just change and you're going to be doing loads of touring and there's loads of stuff. Nothing really changes. You're still pitching in the same way. You're still approaching the tour in the same way. So they still have to give you the thumbs up, but you don't get any extra consideration because you're there. And that's not, you know, I'm not here to badmouth people. That's just the way they work and that's fine. They're there to give you a bit more of a kind of in, you know, but it, it's not like you just get stuff. You still have to push for it and, you know, pitch for it if you like. So there's no reason why we should have, you know, why we should be sitting on a, a massive booking agency trying to get on a, an a, a Animals as Leaders tour, which would have been absolutely fantastic, um, to then, you know, to then not get that and being disappointed because we weren't doing anything. We can still book stuff for ourselves yeah. and, and get things moving and still pitch for those tours. And maybe in time when the numbers are right and things shape up the right way, maybe that maybe we can be considered for things like that. It's basically managing expectations, isn't it? Like- Aye thinking that that would be a cool thing to have, but, I mean, if you've planned all this shit for it and then it doesn't come off, then you're kind of sitting about, like yeah. you say, doing nothing. Yeah. Well, you could have been doing something Exactly. Anyway. Like, we were in contention for, like, three or four pretty big tours last year, as in submitted for, and then when we didn't get them and we saw the support acts and they were, like, really... They were a lot bigger than us, and I was kind of like, oh, OK, fair enough. And that's a big learning curve. But then comes the problem of going... The, I could have been doing stuff I could have been doing stuff during that time we could have toured we could have done more things them. exactly exactly so when you see things like that you go well let's take a step back and let's get back to doing the, the DIY thing which we really love and enjoy and, and still do the festival circuit as best we can because we've had good success in that so far so you'll see more of that as opposed to as you know like the Solstice Fair tour that was kind of luck of the draw that we got that and that was a massive tour but there'll be less of that stuff mm-hmm. going forward and maybe in the future return back to that, who knows? I think one of the reasons that I'm interested in this kind of music that you guys play is because of the DIY element, because I'm a punk. Yeah. Fundamentally. And there's a know, huge, like... A big, big part of it, isn't aye, it? Aye, huge, huge. A lot of it comes from that kind of methodology. So I guess returning back to that is the right way to go. It's like going back to your roots, mm-hmm. if you like. It's also like taking charge of your own destiny as well, having more control over the, and say over the things that you want to do. Yeah. You know, and, and pushing it in a good way as opposed to like bidding for stuff you might never get just like well fuck it we'll bid for that but yeah. also maybe do this as well because yeah. let's do both because why not because we can yeah. Yeah. we don't run all the whole thing yeah and there's no disappointments then like yeah. even if you don't manage to get that big massive thing that was there you're still doing stuff and you're, do- you're in control of how you're doing that and you're structuring that and there's no disappointment of going on a downturn period mm-hmm. so yeah effectively that <laughs> it's the, I think that's the, that's the way I've always approached everything I do yeah. And I think that's why I love like the kind of scene you guys are in as well. Yeah. You know, a lot of people always ask me like why why do you do like so much of that stuff as well as punk stuff? It's like, well, there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. Massively. 
and it's all it all comes like say it all comes from the same pool, the same people, the same ideas. You know what I mean? Mm. The ideas that keep us people like us doing the shit we want to do. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's why we're sat here in this conversation. Very true, <laughs> very true. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have got here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So ultimately, keep doing it. DIY FTW. <laughs> <laughs> DIY until you die, is what they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Connor, is there anything you want to add or anything you want to say or anything you want to ask me before we finish? I guess I would like to plug our album. Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, that's, 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 that's the one yeah, we're here, man. Please buy our album. It's, it's good records, really good records. Thank you. I recommend Thank you. that. Curator. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I like that. We'll put that, we'll put that online. Yeah, it's <laughs> called Because Your Path Is Unlike Any Other. Um, it's out on a German label called Through Love Records. Uh, it's a ten track album. Comes out so in vinyl. Um, you can get it in a kind of nice wee limited edition blood orange type thing, or mint. But mint is actually turquoise, so don't be fooled. <laughs> they say they say the color is mint. It's actually turquoise. So yeah, please purchase it. It will help us out and listen more. But also listen to False Hopes. Because they're great. And they're going to do cut, some cool stuff this year. No! Yeah. And no! Don't do that as well. I'm saying that now. Do um, that as well. I'm going to circle back and cut this next this bit and probably earlier early on. But record label you're using through love. Yeah. Um, I want to ask this earlier on, but I completely forgot. Shoot. You completely forgot. Um, so you put it out through, through love. Yeah. It's a weird, weird sense to say. It's weird saying through, through. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know from knowing you guys personally that you were trying for a long time to find a label to fit. Um, what was what what was what was up with that? <laughs> um, so we had, we had a few people listen to it. There's a lot of people that heard that album and were interested, and we spoke to about it. That album could have came out on several different labels, mm. and it just didn't work out. Um, either because they had stuff it didn't fit in with their schedules, or they had stuff that was kind of more suitable for them. Um, which is fair enough, you know, that happens. Um, Through Love have a background of working with some bands that are big inspirations of mine. And the way he works is really cool. He's a really he's a really good guy that runs a label, Paul. Um, we sent him the record. We had previously suggested a kind of pairing with a few other labels. And then with them it didn't quite work out. And we went back to him and said, look, this hasn't quite panned out the way we want. We'd maybe be up for doing like a kind of joint effort here. Like maybe we can chip in for part of the release and you can as well. And they thankfully they were up for that and that was how we did it. We structured this kind of collaborative effort where Through Love helped us with the stuff that we couldn't have done. You know, all the distro, it's been sold in shops in Germany. You can go into a record shop and buy it and stuff like that. Um, so I guess... That's that's it. It's it's a they they were passionate about the album, which is first and foremost. They liked the record. They could highlight specific things that they really enjoyed about it, and right from the off, they said, "Yep, really like this music." And that was the big thing. He said, "If you listen to other bands and through love, we don't really make sense on that label, but a lot of it came from him having done stuff like us before and just been really passionate about it. But it's quite a heavy label, like uh, Svalbard and." Um, we never learned to live, and Fjord and uh, Lear have all been a part of it, mm-hmm. which we don't really sound like. But he was just passionate about the songs, and the f- like. I'll find it and I'll show you it one day when we've got time. But one of the emails from him says, "Don't really know how this would fit, but I just really like the album." And that was a big selling point for us was that straight away he was going, "Yes, I want to do this. Don't really know how. Let's talk about it and let's structure it." Um, 
but I really liked the music. And that was a big thing for us, was just knowing what we wanted to do creatively. And we really wanted to do it in vinyl. Mm. A lot of the labels we spoke to wanted to do it in CD, and we were really passionate about not having another CD release. Because it's kind of defunct, mm -hmm. you know? If you buy CDs nowadays at a gig, I kind of feel that you're, obligate, you're obligated to do it because that's their merch. But it's still really... You know, buy, buy a vinyl. Vinyl's cooler. You get the artwork and you get the fancy coloured shellac and it sounds better and you get a download code so you can yeah. still have it on your phone. Exactly. Yeah. And you'll probably just go to Spotify, anyway. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So who cares? Buy the vinyl or, or, or don't buy the vinyl. No, but buy the vinyl and listen to Spotify. Yeah, exactly. I mean, do that. Do, do that. That's that's or if you're a bit of a geek, because if you use the download codes that come with their vinyl, you can get it in high quality yeah, audio. Exactly. Yeah. With yeah. the artwork. Yeah. Boom. So yeah. I guess that's the main reason. Like, it's just the fact that this, right from the off, Paul felt like the guy to work with. Um, and we're forever grateful. Thank you, Paul, if you're listening. Um, he's just the right guy. We just really got on with him. Um, he's really organised. He, he got the vision behind the two different colours and a lot of the themes that we've had for the previous records when we explained to him that the two colours wasn't just a case that we wanted to release a product in two different colours. It was because that tied in thematically with what we'd done before, before, and he got all that, and he was with it, and he was like, "Well, I wanted to do it in two colours anyway, so you're doing it, boom," um, and that was it. That's yeah. cool, man. It's really, it's always great you find somebody that shares your vision. You know? Yeah, it's Europeans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're better people. It's a bit, it's a bit of a seeing this podcast where everybody's like. European. Yeah, Europe's mainland go, Europe. Go, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Germany just, is great. It's just great to people. Yeah, you know I mean? they are. It's totally different. So I was speaking to the guys now playing cards, and I was like, Glasgow people playing Europe so much because like, they treat you better. Huh? You know, and it's just a better time. Yeah, but a lot of it comes down to the fact that the venues are government funded. Yeah. That, and, and if you've made the trip, they feel grateful for it, you know? Whereas I think we maybe take a bit, we take things a bit more for granted in yeah. the UK. I think it's a culture thing. Totally, it's a culture thing, I yeah. think. I need to get out there, man. Really need to get out there. But everybody I've spoken to is like, yeah, I mean, Europe. Next year. Unless you're American, come to America. If you're in American, which case, you come over to anywhere. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah exactly. Great. And you <laughs> should just get anything and everything. Yeah, basically. <laughs> American um, entitlement. Hmm, <laughs> 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 uh, But yeah, Connor, thank you so much for talking to me. No, thank I you for having me. It's, it's been great. It's been good fun. Or thank you for coming to my house and then having me on the podcast. Because having me since I I'm in your house, but I'm not. Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> the podcast will come to you. Exactly. That's what you make shit happen, man. <laughs> exactly. Colin, it's been awesome. Thank you. Cheers. It's hard to believe that so long ago, Connor and I spoke about the Dialects album, and it's only just come out, but it's worth the wait because Your Path is Unlike Any Other is a really, really good record. And if you like post-rock, you should definitely go check it out because you will absolutely not be disappointed. And if you're into vinyl, some of those vinyl colours are pretty fucking awesome as well. So grab one of them where you can. I got on really well with Connor. It's really weird to think that he was my first guest on this podcast and things have changed quite a lot for both of us since then. I think creatively we're both in new, different and exciting places. And... I think if you listen to my first episode and compare it to the recent one, you'll hear a, a marked change in both his approach and I guess mine as well. I recorded that interview before Christmas and it's now, well, by the time this comes out, it will be after Christmas. I hope everybody had a good one. 
And before I finish, I just want to plug my new podcast. It's called Unsung. You can find out about it at unsungpod.net. Basically, me and a couple of co-hosts, it's Chris Cusack and David Weaver, we sit down and we talk about classic albums or perceived classic albums, and then we dissect them and then decide if they're worthy of that distinction. And then, after that, we let you guys vote, and you can either agree with us or disagree with us. And if you agree that it is a classic, then it gets put into our discography of all-time great records. It's a pretty cool idea for a podcast. We've got a whole bunch of really awesome records coming out over the next month, month and a half. So really, you should go over there and check it out. So far, we've already covered the likes of Idlewild, Converge, Foo Fighters, Depeche Mode. Definitely go and check it out. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a wee second to give me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I would really, really appreciate that. Until next time. Bye-bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.